Chapter Six of Our Little Korean Cousin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Our Little Korean Cousin by H. Lee M. Pike. Chapter Six: The Monk Story. One evening, after Young Pak had finished his supper. He sat talking with his father and Wong Ken. The early evening hour was often spent this way. It was a time of day when Kipak was generally free from any official duty, and he was glad to devote a little time to his son. He would inquire about the boy's studies as well as about his sports, and young Pak would regale his father with many an amusing incident or tell him something he had learned during study hours. Sometimes he would tell of the sights he had seen on the streets of Seoul, while on other occasions he would give account of games with his playmates or of his success in shooting with a bow and arrow. This latter sport was very common with the men and boys of Korea. It was approved by the king for the national defense in time of war, and often rewards were offered by rich men for winners in contests. Most Korean gentlemen had a private archery grounds and targets in the gardens near their houses. Gipak had an arrow walk and a target in his garden, and here it was that young Pak used to practice almost daily. He often, too, invited other boys to enjoy the sport with him. At regular times every year, public contests in arrow shooting were held and costly prizes were afforded to the winners by the king. The prizes were highly valued by those who secured them, and young Pak looked forward with eager anticipation to the day when he should be old enough and skillful enough to take part in these contests. While young Pak was listening to the conversation between his father and tutor on this evening, a knock was heard. On opening the door, there was seen standing at the entrance a man rather poorly clad in the white garments worn by nearly all people in Korea. But upon his head, instead of the ordinary cone-shaped hat worn by the men of the country, was a very peculiar structure. It was made of straw and was about four feet in circumference. Its rim nearly concealed the man's face, which was further hidden by a piece of coarse white linen cloth stretched upon two sticks and made fast just below the eyes. This method of concealing the face, together with the wearing of the immense hat, was a symbol of mourning. Such a sight was not uncommon in the streets of Seoul, and young Pak knew well its meaning. With great courtesy and hospitality, Kipak invited the stranger within the house. "'I thank you for your kindness,' said the visitor." I am a stranger in your city, a monk from a monastery in Kongju. Your peculiar law, not allowing men upon the street after nightfall, compels me to seek shelter. To that you are entirely welcome, my friend, said Gipak, whose hospitable nature would have granted the monk's request, even if sympathy for sorrow and reverence for religion had not also been motives for his action. Let me get the man something to eat, said young Pak, as the monk seated himself upon a mat. Certainly, my son, it is always proper to offer food to a guest who takes refuge under our roof. 
Quickly the boy sought his mother in the women's apartments, and very soon returned with a steaming bowl of rice, which he placed before the visitor. This gift of rice was especially pleasing to the traveler, as no dish is held in higher honor in Korea. It is the chief cereal, and the inhabitants say it originated in Haram, China, nearly five thousand years ago. Young Pak called it Song Nong Si, which means marvelous agriculture. He had learned from Wang Ken that it was first brought to Korea in 1122 B.C. To the monk, the warm food was very refreshing, and after he had eaten a generous amount, he entered into conversation with his hosts. He told of the monastery where he made his home, and his account of the various religious ceremonies and their origin was very interesting to Young Pak who found that the visitor not only knew a great deal of the history of the country, but was also familiar with its fables and legends. Like many who live in retirement and dwell in a world apart from their fellows, this monk thought the people of former times were superior to the men of his own day. Especially did he praise the kings of years long gone by. Do you think, said young Pak, that the old kings were any better than our own gracious ruler? Young Pak was very jealous of the honor of his king. Why, yes, replied the monk, and to prove my statement, let me tell you a story. Many years ago there was in Chosen a king named Chung Chung. He was celebrated throughout his kingdom for his goodness. It was a habit with him to disguise himself in ordinary clothing and then to go out and mingle with the common people. In this way he was often able to discover opportunities for doing much good to his subjects. One night Chung Chong disguised himself as a countryman and taking a single friend along started out to make a tour of inspection among his people that he might learn the details of their lives. Coming to a dilapidated-looking house, he suspected that within there might be miserable people to whom he could render assistance. Desiring to see the inside of the house, he punched a peephole in the paper door. Looking through this hole, the king perceived an old man weeping, a man in mourning garb singing, and a nun or widow dancing. Chung Chong was unable to imagine the cause of these strange proceedings, so he asked his companion to call the master of the house. In answer to the summons, the man in mourning made his appearance. The king, with low and respectful salutation, said, we have never before met. True, was the reply. But whence are you? How is it that you should come to find me at midnight? To what family do you belong? Chung Chong answered, I am Mr. Ni, living at Tong Kuan. As I was passing before your house, I was attracted by strange sounds. Then through a hole in the door I saw an old man crying, a dancing nun, and a man in mourning singing. Why did the nun dance, the bereaved man sing, and the old man weep? 
I have called you out on purpose to learn the reason of these things. For what reason do you pry into other people's business? was the question in reply. This is little concern to you. It is past midnight now, and you had better get home as soon as you can. No, indeed, I admit that it seems wrong for me to be so curious in regard to your affairs. But this case is so very extraordinary that I hope you will not refuse to tell me about it. You may be sure that I will not betray your confidence. Alas, why such persistence in trying to learn about other people's business? It is very important, replied the king, that I should obtain the information I have asked of you. Further than that, I cannot explain at present. Young Pock wanted to interrupt the storyteller here and say that he did not blame the man for objecting to telling his private business, but he had early been taught that it was highly improper for a Korean boy to break into the conversation of his elders. The monk continued, As you are so urgent in your desire to know the cause of the strange proceedings you have witnessed, I will try to tell you. Poverty has always been a burden upon my family. In my house there has never been sufficient food for a solid meal, and I have not land enough even for an insect to rest upon. I cannot even provide food for my poor old father. This is the reason why my wife, from time to time, has cut off a portion of her hair and sold it for an amount sufficient to buy a bowl of bean soup which she has generously given to my father. This evening she cut off and sold the last tress of her hair, and thus she is now bald as a man. Young Pock already knew that Korean women who devote their lives to religious service kept their hair closely clipped, so the monk did not need to explain his reference to a bald-headed nun. On this account, said the man to Chung Chung. My father broke out into mourning in these words. Why have I lived to this age? Why did I not die years ago? Why has this degradation come to my daughter-in-law? Tears accompanied his words. My wife and I tried to console him, and besides urging him not to weep, she danced for his amusement. I also danced and sang, and thus we diverted the old man's thoughts and caused him to smile. That is the true reason of our queer behavior. I trust you will not think it strange, and will now go away and leave us to our sorrow. The king was very much impressed by the man's story, particularly with the evidence of such great devotion to his father even in the time of poverty and misfortune. So he said, This is really the most extraordinary instance of filial love that I ever saw. I think you should present yourself at the examination tomorrow. What examination? Why, there is to be an examination before the king of candidates for official position. You know that all officials have to pass an examination before they can receive an appointment. Be sure to be there, and you may be fortunate enough 
to secure a position which will remove all fear of poverty from your household. Having thus spoken, Chung Chong bade the man good night and went at once to his palace. Very early in the morning, he caused proclamation to be made that an examination would be held that day at a certain hour. Notwithstanding the brief time for preparation, when the hour arrived, a large number of men presented themselves at the king's palace as candidates. In the crowd was the poor man whom the king, in his disguise, had talked with the night before. Though he understood little of the matter, he felt that his visitor of the previous night must have known perfectly about it. When all had assembled, the following was announced as the subject of the examination. The song of a man in mourning, the dance of a nun, the tears of an old man. With the exception of the poor man, not a single one of the candidates was able to make a bit sense out of the subject. He alone knew it perfectly well because of his own personal experience. Consequently, he was able to turn in a clear essay upon the subject, which, upon examination, the king found to be free from error. Chung Chong then bestowed the degree of doctor upon the man, and ordered that he be brought into his presence. Upon the man's appearance, the king asked, Do you know who I am? It is I who last night advised you to be present at this examination. Raise your head and look at me. With fixed gaze, the man looked at the king and recognized his benefactor. He at once bowed himself to the ground in gratitude, and in words of the most humble sort returned his thanks. Go at once, said Chung Chung, and return to your wife and old father. Make them happy with the good news you have for them. This story of royal generosity has been handed down from generation to generation, and I give it to you, concluded the monk, as an example of the goodness of our ancient kings and the rich inheritance we have from them. True devotion to parents has never been unrewarded in Korea. His story concluded, the monk expressed a desire to retire for the night. At Gi Pak's command, a servant led him to a sleeping room. Young Pak and the other members of the family also retired, and were soon buried in peaceful slumber. End of chapter 6